<laughs> and welcome to episode 161 of Reviews from the Crawl Space. Over there laughing at me is Vicky. As usual. As usual. And I am Douglas. And uh, on the show we review three vinyl from an inherited collection, uh, three at a time, at random. We don't curate it in any way. It's just whatever we pull out of there is whatever's, whatever's next is whatever's next. And you can also find us in a few places. You can find us on whatever's left of Twitter at RFTCS1. You can find us on Instagram as Reviews from the Crawl Space is one block. And we have, obviously, the, the podcast, he found us, yay, on Anchor and Apple and Spotify and all that. Google. Google. And also on Spotify is what we Stitcher. call we call our radio station playlist. We have RFTCS Radio. Mm-hmm. And if you go on there, that has been curated from everything that we've so far. So we've gone through, we've listened to all that stuff, and we whatever we can find on Spotify, we've added to the list. You get days like today where... Some of the albums are missing. Uh, two or three albums are missing. Are not on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it happens. So it, sometimes there's like little gaps. But generally, it's a good place to fall, kind of follow along and see where we're at, what albums we're adding. I mean, because... if we could sing them and put them on the playlist for you, we'd happily do that. But there's no way to do it. No. I wouldn't be happy about doing that either. So <laughs> that's, well, that's you're why. on your own there. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound pleasant to me at all. So uh, besides those places... Uh, okay, the difference between Twitter and re- from the reviews from the crawl space on Instagram. Instagram is more what we're working on now. The album covers of what this episode is going back. It's just the covers where Twitter is kind of more of a general music dumping ground of every, everything. Vinyl stuff, uh, music stuff, whatever. What? Yes, because Instagram is more a visual experience. So, yeah, so is Twitter. Twitter can be too, but in a different way. Yeah, so, and, and I know those, both those places you can find our back catalog going going way back. It's been a few years, so. Uh, what do you have for us today? Oh, what do I have today? Well, it's exciting. wait and listen. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pumped. The first album up is John Stewart called Dream Babies Go Hollywood. Mm-hmm. The second album up is a double album of compilation songs. Flat and Scruggs, The World of Flat and Scruggs. Mm-hmm. And I think we just reviewed them last week, too, didn't we? No, it was, the, the it was the Earl Scruggs Review, which well, is, is different than Flat and Scruggs. But the same kind of music. Um, uh, no, I don't agree. Okay. <laughs> and the third album Disagree! Is... <laughs> right off the top. <laughs> the third album is The Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Don't Look Down. <coughs> Water doesn't go in lungs, apparently. No, no. I thought, hey, maybe I can breathe it. But I can't. Are you okay? <laughs> Never. The answer is always no to that. Oh, well, I know that, but... <laughs> the question is that. Okay. I just thought I'd let the people know, listening know that I care about you. <coughs> well, at least in a, a vague passing way. Are you, you all right? <laughs> you just, like, poke me with one of the pans. You okay over there? <laughs> oh, you're funny. Okay. Okay, let's go. All right. Yep. John Stewart, Dream Babies Go Hollywood. Uh, He was an American songwriter and singer known for his contributions to the American folk music movements of the 60s while with a band called the Kingston Trio. No one ever Um, heard of that band. And as a popular music songwriter for the Monkees, he did their hit, number one hit, Daydream Believer. Oh, okay, okay. His solo career spanned 40 years and included almost four dozen albums. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe that. 
Yeah, that's a lot. Lies. And more than 600 recorded songs. Um, his songs were recorded by Anne Murray, Roseanne Cash, Joan Baez, and Nancy Griffith. Oh, crazy. It's funny. I, I almost, before we did this, I almost went and just listened to some of his other songs. I didn't, but I almost I almost went and looked just, just to hear what other his other stuff sounded like. But. Yeah, Anne Murray had a big hit with Daydream Believer as well. As yeah, that, it was, uh, I was going to say, that's the one that definitely gets... You know, that was his biggest hit, whether yeah. it's he did it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dream Babies, or yeah, Dream Babies yeah. Go Hollywood was a studio album released in 1980. It went to number 85 on the album charts. None of the singles released made it to the top 100 charts. And I couldn't find anywhere uh, where it listed what singles were released. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Generally, they have them somewhere on one of the pages. Um, Linda Ronstadt, Nicolette Larson, and Phil Everly appear on Backup backup vocals on this album so some pretty heavy, uh, actually what I, i'm gonna heavy hitting if you're gonna do that i'm gonna add that actually one one i had pointed out to you before that uh, kind of surprised me is a name that should sound familiar if anybody listens to this podcast which very few people do uh <laughs> is as he, henry dilt uh he's been on the show a bunch but not as a singer he's a singer here but he's been on the show five times as a photog when his some of his most iconic covers are csny's deja vu and the eagles eagles so like yeah he's it's pretty amazing to see him actually get a vocals credit now yeah that's kind of cool he, that's also what he gets listed as as a, uh, a singer and a photog so yeah i just thought that was kind of interesting you're reeling off names there so yeah so um john stewart was the producer he has mm -hmm. 37 producing credits to his name mostly his own music track listing on this album is side a hollywood dreams Wind on the River, Wheels of Thunder, Monterey, and Odin, Spirit of the Water. Mm. Side B, Lady of Fame, The Raven, Love Has Tied My Wings, Nightman, and Moonlight Rider. The runtime is 36 minutes. Oh, it's a little bit longer than I thought. For context, the before album was Forgotten Songs of Some Old Yesterday, okay. released in 1980, and the after album was Blondes, released in 1982. Yeah, it was a weird one to pull out because right away when you pull this, <laughs> pull this cover out, you're like, uh oh, what do, yeah. we, what do we do now? You know, it kind of looks creepy. It looks like a, a album cover that you'd get from an album, uh, an album you get from a cult trying to recruit you. <laughs> so it's like right away, it's very concerning, you know. But uh, then you know, like like always, we give it a, we give it a little spin, we give it a little twirl, and uh, sure enough, actually, kind of, I think we kind of both liked it right away. Yeah. And then once we listened to it more, the more it kind of grew on me, and it's it's a very kind of an, it's an interesting album. So right away, I'm going to say the songs that I kind of enjoyed were "Wind on the River," "Monterey," "Spirit of the Water," "The Raven," and "Nightman." And what I, I had to actually go and look to see on who on whosampled.com to see if this album had been used somewhere else because if you remove his lyrics, and I like his vocals, I like his voice. But if you remove his lyrics and just listen to the music, it reminds me so much of the chill, the lo-fi chill kind of, I wouldn't say hip-hop stuff, but that kind of electronic stuff that we listen to, like the guitar riffs and the way things kind of repeat. I really like a lot of it. And uh, and I could, I could almost, as much as like I said, I like his singing, I could almost just listen to it without the vocals. Yeah. And it would be really cool, like chill, ambient music. So. Yeah. Uh, how about you? I really liked it. Yeah. I really liked it. I liked it a lot. In fact, I'm really disappointed that they're 
that the album's not on Spotify. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Because I would. Li- this is an album I would listen to start to finish. Yeah, and I want to put a bunch of these, a couple of these songs in our playlist too. Yeah, yeah. start to finish is definitely one of those chill like whole album kind of. Is is the greatest album ever? No, but it's just like a, it's a, yeah. ch- a chill fucking album you put yeah. on. It's good, you know. It's raining outside, whatever. And you stop and think a couple of times. Jeez, I like this. Yeah, album. So yeah. You think it's like yeah, that's pretty good. It's like yeah. some really catchy guitar stuff. Like I said, it's all really chill. Uh, and like his voice, like I said, crooning is the best way to kind of put it, I guess, because that's kind of what he does throughout the thing. Yeah, he's got a very good vo- voice and. Uh, I'm trying to explain it's like it's pop rock but it's more chill than that like his folk influences are there but it's like a softer Fleetwood Mac kind of situation yes and it's funny because I was thinking about how to describe it and Fleetwood Mac is a good example but it turned out on the album before this that Fleetwood Mac actually did help him make the fucking album yeah so and it was his most successful by a long shot Lindsey Buckingham right Lindsey Buckingham yeah. and uh, the other one um, Mick Fleetwood no. no, not him, and not not uh, not Stevie Nicks. Christy McVeigh might have been her. There was there was two of them that went and helped, and then they they actually didn't help him with this album because they left to do Tusk. And we all know all the all the shenanigans going on around with that thing. So, so then he like you said you mentioned before, then he was like, okay, well shit, we got this formula that works. Let's do it again. And so he plugged in a bunch of other singers: Nicolet Larson, Linda Ronstadt. And it really kind of continues on, like especially Spirit of the Water. I had to look at it. It says it's written by him, but holy fuck, how is that not a Fleetwood Mac song? Maybe they did cover it yeah. on one of their albums, and we just, like, my brain's just not clicking in. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting from that aspect. So, you know, one of those ones where we've never heard of the person, and it's like all these weird kind of connections. Um. Yeah, I just mentioned that a couple times. It's a really good chill album, and it's yeah. not on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. In <laughs> fact, something that I don't do normally is I don't usually um, keep track of the songs as we're listening through them while we're doing our research mm-hmm. as to which songs. And what, it turned which, out yeah. that I was writing, like I was jotting down almost every song. Almost all the songs, yeah. So yeah. I, says I started writing it down, two, four, five, seven, and yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, okay, then just stop doing that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's what I did too. By the time we got to the second side, I was like, oh, this album, I like it. Yeah. And <laughs> um, I would probably now go listen to some of his other stuff. Well, yeah, especially it, the album before this. Yes, exactly. I was gonna say that, yes. That um, I wonder if that one of this might actually be there. I don't know. We we find this often, especially when it comes to these artists on Spotify, that quite often the album we have is a, in a black hole of the artist's catalog. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like it'll jump from like because if this album was eighty, which I think it is, so it'll jump from nineteen seventy eight album, and there'll be a gap for a bunch of years. <laughs> Whatever album we have, there's a gap in the catalog. It's some weird fucking edition or something like that. So it's just, it's just kind of funny. But yeah, this one's not there, and I would I would add it as well. So okay, we're liking it. So we'll move on here with uh, Dream Babies Go Hollywood. John Stewart, RSO Records Catalog, RS-1-3074, Canada 1980. This is an original pressing. Uh, the condition, the cover's good. Where in the usual places, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It was su- surprisingly good, actually. Um, the sleeve's good. Uh, it's got the broken glue, but you should be able to fix it. That'd be able to fix right away, no problem. Um, it has, it's an original sleeve with the lyrics, which is also kind of a rarity these days. Uh, the vinyl's also good. There's no scratches, got a few scuffs, but it was fine. And the audio is mostly really good, except once in a while I found the drums kind of stood out in a really fucking weird way. 
because like like I said, a lot of it's really kind of chill and stuff. And then you'd have I'm trying to explain it. I was thinking about it while we're listening to it. It's almost like the drums are too close. Like they're almost like too close to your listening position. It almost sounds like you're sitting on them or oh, something. It's, funny. I never it's weird. That. And it only comes up once in a while where like a fucking where he's hitting them and they just stand out in the weirdest weirdest way. So yeah. other than that, I thought it was a pretty good mix. Sounded good. Had a bit of bass. All the all the things we look for. So good. yeah, it it did sound good. Uh, design concept photography by Herbert Worthington the Third. And art direction by Glenn Ross. So, so Herb, Herb, <laughs> photo- working some with some explosive herbs. herbs. <laughs> oh, sorry, we're just watching the movie Accepted again. Go watch it; it's funny. Yes, it's, it's silly funny. Uh, so, Herb, a photographer and designer, best known for his work with Fleetwood Mac. 73 credits. He's been on the show with Fleetwood Max, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Fleetwood Max Rumors, and Boxers uh, Absolutely, which was probably a cover that was way better than the album. But uh, Glenn, art director and designer with 135 credits on the show with the Rolling Stones, Metamorphoses, Heart, oh yeah, Heart and Hearts Magazine. I kind of had that kind of run together there. Uh, he's worked also with David Bowie and Linda Ronstadt. So this one's very interconnected one lots of people working on the <clears throat> it's funny because one of the uh the facts in on his wikipedia page is that he's an artist and so i'm kind of surprised it said that he worked on a lot of of uh his own drawings for his album covers yep. and yeah book covers and stuff and so i'm kind of surprised that he didn't do this one but there you go yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one, but uh, yeah, he's he's done some pretty pretty iconic stuff. So it's just like I said, it's so weird to see him sooner. But um, uh, where am I at here, David Bowie? And that, that's it. Actually, I'm done. That's all we got for this oh, one. Okay. There wasn't a huge amount. No, on any of these albums, no, I found. there's yeah, it's just kind of weird because you know, you, like you said, this John Stewart guy, fuck ton of albums. Um, oh yeah. Uh, even the uh, the Ozark Mountain Daredevils we cover fucked on of albums, but there's really no info on these things. So it's yeah, weird. it's just weird to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, hmm. Discogs. Yep. Three point nine out of five with ten people rating. The um, resale value is two dollars and seventy cents, seven dollars and one cent, and twelve dollars and forty nine cents. How would you give it? I'm gonna give it a four. Oh, excellent! I gave it a three. Uh, I agree. As I would, I would say, if you get a chance to check it out, it's uh, like I said, it is very kind of chill, ambient rock. But then you also have his like folksy kind of deep crooning. Yeah, it all works out quite well for and some reason. I did a quick look while you Can't were really reading your stuff. Yeah, and it doesn't even look like there's any John Stewart music on Spotify at all. Oh yes, there is. Oh. Oh yeah, I told you I've I've been there. They got probably he's probably got on there at least like fifteen to twenty albums, just not this one, not this one. Oh okay. Yeah, it, it is like his some of his stuff is there, and probably that hit single of his, yeah. that Dream World or Dream whatever. Yeah. But this isn't there. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. I I'll like go I said, look again. It's just like just wherever we happen to be covering is the black hole in the catalog. <laughs> yeah. So once I think maybe two or three times we've actually got the record with the hit on it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's but a that, whole different. That doesn't even. That, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, that's that a whole doesn't happen di- <laughs> happen often either. No, it's the one after usually. Yeah, that's what we have. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's it. Okay, so then John Stewart John down. Yes, yeah, so rise down. Okay. Okay. Next album. 
This dog this is like it's like I, every just I just started every song on that album right there. Has dog dog dog. dog. Has dog <laughs> play, plays his uh, moonshine jug. Yeah. <laughs> Flat and Scruggs. Oh, see, aren't we just also entertaining here? <laughs> Flat and Scruggs. It's the Scruggs. See, see, comedy comes Struggs sometimes. Sorry, I just want to say the comedy sometimes comes out of horror, right? So we have this album here, and we're trying to compensate for what we've had to go through. Oh, yeah, because Flat and Scruggs, The World of Flat and Scruggs, Mm -hmm. is a two-album compilation. Two-album compilation. Put out by Columbia Records. 20 fucking songs. Probably part of their deal. And two albums of American (laughs) Bluegrass broke us. Yeah, well, yeah. I think it broke us a long time ago, but... It was yeah. just a lot of crying. Yeah, it's still a little, this uh, Scruggs fellow. It's a little too soon after the last one. Well, it's so funny because like he took he took that the elements that we fucking hate here, and then really kind of enjoyed the Earl Scruggs review. Yeah, because he's still though he's still twanging away in his banjo, but yeah. we enjoyed it so much more <laughs> that this is just like salt and sand in the eyes. Yeah, in the ears. So Flat and Scruggs were an American bluegrass duo. Singer and guitarist Lester Flat and banjo player Earl Scruggs formed the duo in 1948. They're viewed by music historians as one of the premier bluegrass groups in the history of the genre. No argument. Their backing band, the Foggy Mountain Boys, included fiddle player Paul Warren, dobro player Uncle Josh Graves, stand-up bass cousin Jake Tullock, and on mandolin, Curly Seckler. Go Curly. They were they signed up or became a member of the Grand Ole Opry in 1955. Uh, they broke up in 1969 because Scruggs was showing progressive tendencies, and Flat did not like it. Oh, it's the devil's music! He's getting the brog in there. Didn't like the change, so they they stopped performing <laughs> that, together. It makes sense the album that we listened to now because he wanted. I want to go. Play. Play some prog music, you guys. Fuck your bluegrass. Get me some prog rock in the 70s. I'm changing. Changing with the times. Um, The album was released in 1973, uh, like I said, already by Columbia Records. Uh, They were inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 1985. (laughs) So I didn't write down a producer because it's a compilation and... Holy shit, it's going to take me longer. I don't like the roach going down, Scrooks. You've been smoking that devil's lettuce? devil's lettuce. (laughs) Hanging out with them jazz musicians. (laughs) Fuck. That's so funny. (laughs) I would love to be in the roof of an argument. (laughs) I just sit there just like like laughing. (laughs) My kids got me too progressive. I know. Was that racist? I don't know. Hillbilly's not a race, so no. (laughs) So the track listing, um, it's going to take me longer to read this than it Mm -hmm, did mm -hmm. the little breakdown. Yeah. Uh, Foggy Mountain (laughs) Breakdown, Memphis, Kansas City, The Ballad of Jed Clampett, and Reuben. Side B, Salty Dog Blues, Footprints in the Snow, Flint Hill Special, The Martha White Theme, Take This Hammer. Side C, Jimmy Brown, the Newsboy, Worried Man Blues, Cripple Creek, The Story of Bonnie and Clyde, John Henry. Side D, 
Wabash Cannonball, or Wabash Cannonball, mm -hmm. Buddy Don't Roll So Slow, Orange Blossom Special, Petticoat Junction, and Earl's Breakdown, which I thought was kind of interesting. <laughs> I wonder if that had to do with their breakup. <laughs> yeah. Just had enough. Runtime, 43 minutes and 39 seconds. Wow. Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. Why? Why would you need to have that on two albums then? Each song was like, like there was... They're two and under. Yeah, two and under. Basically two and under. Yeah. If it's only 43 minutes, there's lots of albums we listen to that are more than 40 minutes long on a single disc. That's fucking... I don't understand it. Yeah. Is it just because there was going to be ten, like ten aside? Like, I wonder if I counted. That's up. so odd. I thought I thought it was twenty. I wonder if I counted the minutes wrong because I had to add them up on the calculator, right? No, I believe you because like you said, they're all like two minutes almost yeah. to a T. Yeah. All of them. So, wow, that's weird. Why spread it over two albums? And it's not like the sound quality is fucking great or anything like that because they're all, first of all, it's a compilation. Second of all, it's probably all recorded in mono in, a, in somebody's barn. There's two inches of runoff on every album. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every side of the you album. You know what? I never even thought about that. No, no. Oh, wow. Just an inch and a half. Yeah. No, it's funny because, like, yeah, that's so weird. Uh, wow. Uh, so I, obviously, because we fucking hate this stuff i don't have anything to say it's a compilation uh twangy jug jug blowy country bluegrass i will say though and we always put this disclaimer in yes if you're a fan of bluegrass american bluegrass holy shit this is like this is your boom, jam this is like a history lesson right here go seek it out it's not part of their discography no no because it was just something that the record columbia company, or yeah. columbia did columbia did yeah. yeah so oh no and i'm not good gonna luck do, finding like, it like we've talked about the earl scruggs review like, they're fucking great players. Was this on Spotify? Do you I remember? I don't remember looking for it. I didn't want to, I don't want that entering the realm of the algorithms, man. No way. I can't say it's next, next year, we'll get the end of end of review, end of your review, and be like, you fucking loved Flatten Scruggs. You, you love American Bluegrass. American Bluegrass. You love death metal. Yeah. You love... yeah, death metal, electronic, bluegrass country. <laughs> world folk even spotify will be scratching their head <laughs> like how did that happen it's not compute <laughs> with all the other stuff that we it just starts did. falling fire <laughs> um okay yeah like i said I, I got nothing to say about it other than uh, so the world of flat and scruggs <laughs> flat and scruggs columbia kg31964 canada in 1973 it's an original but it's a compilation obviously uh condition the cover is very good readable spine yeah, it's in good shape. Mm -hmm. uh, sleeve, plain paper, and plastic. That's it. Mm. It's just like the, there's no original sleeves or whatever. whatever's in there. The vinyl, both of them are very good. Uh, probably haven't been played very much, so they're tip-top. And, <clears throat> sorry. And the audio, uh, typical with uh, compilations. It's kind of all over the place. Like, they clearly had different levels of re recording and stuff. And, uh, yeah, the... Uh, audio i just it just tear a lot of it just to me is terrible because you're doing a lot of high-end banjo and stuff like that there's no bass in the mix so a lot of it's just what you would call screechy to me <laughs> um so it kind of sucks because they don't it didn't need to be that way i don't know why they had such a aversion to recording it so it sounded good but uh there we go uh cover design by karen lee grant cover illustration by tom allen an inside cover photo which is the one inside by Don 
Hustine? Hunstein? I will Hunstein. say, I really like this cover. The cover's great, yeah. The illustration and shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, the packaging's really solid. I love their little red boleros on the back. Yeah. Bolero ties. That's, that's the only color, yeah, in, yeah. in the image is their little ties. Yeah, they look like pencil drawings, actually. Yeah, just sketches, yeah. Yeah, pencil sketches. Uh, so Karen Lee, uh, designer with 102 visual credits uh, on the show once with the Hollies, the Hollies Greatest Hits, which kind of surprised me. Uh, her other credits include uh, Johnny Cash and The Birds. Uh, Tom Allen, I couldn't find any info on this person. The, the cover illustrator, I couldn't find it anywhere. There was no information on it, which is a shame because yeah, it's, I agree. It's like it's probably one of the best things about the, the casing. Yeah, the, the packaging is very, definitely. very good. Um, the inside cover photo, like I said, by Don. Uh, and he's an American photog with over <laughs> 1,200 credits. Holy, and never been on the show before? Never been on the fucking show before. He worked oh. as a staffer. Oh. Our staff photog at Columbia Records for over 30 years. And I said, first on the show? And he really is the first time. I went through 1,200 fucking entries, and there wasn't one that's been on the show before. Holy doodle. Yeah. They must have just stuck him on the American Bluegrass. Uh... Oh, uh, his some of his credits, Miles Davis, Sly and the Family Stone, and Bob Dylan. Wow. We've done a few Bob Dylan albums, I think. Quite a few. Yeah, uh, not, not just the one. That's... Yeah, very surprising with a thousand entries. That he was the one who did the Bob Dylan album where he's standing on the cover in that street with the lady. Uh, the one that was turned into the Vanilla Sky. Uh, they did it for the Vanilla Sky poster. Ah, so that's the same. He did that cover. So yeah, it's when I saw twelve hundred and I went through because quite often when I search the name out, it'll, it'll kind of give me an indication if yeah. I've been on the show before. Yeah. And, and I start typing it out, and there's the guy, and there's nothing beside it. And then I'm like, that's that's gotta be bullshit. So then I went through, like I said, three pages of, of entries, and there was ah, nothing. Well, kudos to you. Nothing at all. So honestly, that blows my mind. Uh, and that's it also. So. Okay. So Discogs, it gets rated 3.5 out of 5 with 10 people rating. Mm -hmm. Resale value on this album is $3. $6.05 or $8.77. Just the oh. way just the, the way it's, I don't know if it's a stain or not. He has written his crotch. His crotch. <laughs> got a little bit of that. Got a what is he, the Foggy Mountain Boys? Got, got a foggy bottom there. Um, you can get it brand new on Amazon. Amazon. What did I say? 140 140 yeah, 140 bucks. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. You can, guys, if you guys want a copy of this, just pay shipping. You can have this one for free. Yes. In mint condition, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I give it a, I give it a one. Yeah. Um, just because, like I said, I fucking hate this album. I hate, hate the music, but once again, music history, you know, excellent little players. And actually, I think the packaging on this one is pretty solid. So I gave it a two. You gave it a two? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I gave it a two for their pedigree. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Who they who they are in the in the music world of their realm, and uh, yeah. the musicianship is good. And yeah. just because I don't like it, doesn't mean I shouldn't give it. Yeah. Something. Um, uh, the I, genre I, of music. Oh, uh, we are reviewing it. I don't like it, so one. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways. And I gave it two. Perfect. Down. Alrighty. Down and over. Last, not least. Hopefully, that's the last. Earl Scruggs. The last of Scruggs and Tubbs. <sighs> I I don't know. The next one. You no, know, there'll be. I'm sure there's going to be a quad a quad album set in there for us to review. Unlike that Chicago album <clears> we've got. That's what five albums. Yeah, I keep putting it off. We should yeah, have technically we should have done that a long time ago. Yeah. But I just like don't. It's going to be the last episode. It's just going to be Chicago, the white <laughs> album. <laughs> Alrighty. The Ozark Mountain Daredevils don't look down. Uh, they're an American rock country band formed in 1972. 
uh, started by a fellow name of Randall Chowning, who has been on and off with this band throughout the years. And they're still pretty, they're still performing some today. Yeah. But um, he wasn't on, he's not on this album. So the musicians on this album consisted of Larry Lee on drums, acoustic guitar, synth, and vocals, Steve Cash on harp, percussion, and vocals, John Dillon on guitars, fiddle, piano, and vocals, Michael Soup Granda, bass, acoustic, guitar, and vocals, Steve Canaday, guitar, drums, and vocals, Jerry Mills on mandolin, Rune Wall on guitars, sitar, banjo, and vocals, and Ruel Chappelle on keyboards and vocals. I was laughing about the harp one. Dude, I brought my harp. You want me to play some fucking songs? <laughs> it's all fancy and soft. <laughs> like, they, sometimes, they sometimes call harmonica <clears throat> uh, harp. Mouth harp. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you almost tripped yourself again. I did. I almost did. <laughs> you gotta stop doing it. You're, you're abusing yourself so much. <laughs> yep. Uh, Don't Look Down is their fifth album, released in 1977. It charted 132 in the U.S., 87 in Australia. Uh, it was produced by... Uh, this is the first album of theirs that he produced, but he did a lot of Ozark albums in the end. David Kirschenbaum. Hmm. 428 producing credits. We've never seen him on the show before. Oh, weird, because it sounds familiar. Also, he has also uh, produced for the Everly Brothers, John Stewart. Oh, yeah, there we go. Dave Clay- David Clayton Thomas, Joan Baez, Cat Stevens, Joe Jackson, and a bunch of other famous people. Track listing on this album is Side A, River to the Sun, Crazy Lovin', which was the only single released off this album, and it did not chart. Given It All to the Wind, The Fox, Backroads, Side B, Snowbound, Following the Way That I Feel, Love Makes the Lover, True Believer, mm-hmm. Moon on the Rise, and Stinghead. For context, the before album was Men from Earth, 1976, and the after was It's Alive, released in 1978. And I failed to go and do my duty by adding up how long this album was. Oh, and it's funny because I, I'm going to say somewhere like 35. It did not seem like a long album. No, not at all. It seemed, it seemed fairly short and straightforward. Also, too, want to mention that this really, because it didn't really chart very well, and it was starting to get away from their their general country rock roots, that this, I think, is one of the last albums or the last album with this um, record company. Yes. And, and then it shifted after this, and then yeah. and then it became whatever again. So. Yeah. And that Kirschenbaum guy seemed to stay with them for a while, uh, doing a bunch of their stuff. So. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so go ahead. Yeah, you start. I thought this album was okay to good. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as the John Stewart album. Some of the stuff was okay. Hmm. Um, yeah, for me, it's like... Uh, so with the audio, it's funny. Um, the audio on here, I thought this is clearly my dad's album. I think it just been to a bunch of parties and just worn the fuck out. But actually, when we played it on Spotify, it really wasn't any different. So yeah. this, the, the mix right away isn't the, the best. This is weird, kind of muddy, muddy kind of flattish mix. Yeah, I agree. This... I, sometimes the vocals kind of get lost. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's weird, smushed almost. It's it's just such an odd mix. 
it's not the worst we've heard, but that that's kind of like, I mean, maybe if it's coming out of your AM radio or FM radio and your 1977 view of Skylark, it'd probably be fine. But <laughs> it, it kind of sounded like shit a little bit. Like I said, even on Spotify with the, the more, the, I don't know if it was remastered, but the reissued or whatever, it didn't really help at all. Um, the biggest problem with me is that it just, it, it sounds like every fucking Southern rock album that we've covered. Like this could be, in fact, I prefer the Outlaws that we've covered in terms of the Southern Rock because, like, this is just so... Oh, I hate the word. We've used it so many times. Generic. Yeah. It could be any album from any there. It's like one of those sample... Tester samples. You could just, like, put the cover on it. Ooh, which one is this? Which Pepsi? Is this Pepsi? Is this Coke? I don't know. It's like... This is what, to me, it's just like... I couldn't tell you the difference between this and some other stuff. And it doesn't even really have any, like, hits on it. No. So it has nothing to really anchor it down. Now, we did add a song to our playlist. And I think it's called Giving It All to the Wind. Yeah, that was a really good song. Yeah, and I almost added The Fox, which comes directly after it, too. And I didn't. But, yes, it, there was like that was pretty good. The first side probably has the best, the best songs. And then after that... It's just, it's just it's all the same. I'm sorry. It's just like I'm trying to think of another way to describe this stuff. But, yeah, it's just your soft poppy southern rock that's designed for you know soft soft rock radio stations and it's got a little bit of their elements in there but i will take issue with one song though oh. the, the, i'm gonna take issue with one song it's called Backroads, <laughs> and the whole song is like he's just talking he just talks about that he doesn't like he won't drive the highways or whatever because he likes to drink and drive and he can drink and drive on the back roads he wants to have his whiskey and his beer while he's driving and there's no people and there's no other vehicles, so we can do that. Your dad probably, back in the day? Yeah. Back in the day. Your dad probably <laughs> had that song on replay. Probably. Probably <laughs> while drinking at time. Oh, yeah. Different times, people. Different times. Yeah, also. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, other than that, it's all, like, yeah, by the numbers. And I can see why, if, if this is the direction that their A&M was pushing them in, I can see why they wanted to get the fuck out of there, because it was just, like, it's just becoming softer and smushier not that i'm familiar with their stuff but i could see where they were getting off off their own track i, I guess well and it's funny because you like you talk about the mix and stuff and i think that that actually takes away from this album yeah for sure yeah. it makes it less enjoyable because it is so muddy and i don't normally notice yeah. stuff like that yeah unless it's really bad unless it's so. really yeah yeah this was really bad. Yeah, because like on the cover, you, you're thinking you're gonna have a good time, fun time. It looks like you're supposed to be having fun, but that mix is not fun. And and that guy has no legs. Yeah, <laughs> he's just stumps. His body's just holding them up. He's got his legs in the air. Yeah, and then what kind of yeah, kind of blends into their into yeah. their shirts. Yeah, so it looks like he's just got stumps. Yeah, he's got a Hawaiian shirt. And nothing. <laughs> So yeah, like I said, and, and once again, there wasn't a huge amount of research to be done on this one either because it just, yeah, it, it's, it's odd. So don't look down. The Ozark Mountain Daredevils, A&M Records, Catalog, SP4662, Canada 1977. This is an original pressing. Uh, condition, cover, is good. It's got broken glue, which can be fixed. Uh, wear in the usual places, readable spine. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. Uh, sleeve, plain paper. The vinyl's good. It's it's definitely been played, but it doesn't have scratches, which is weird. It does have a few scuffs, but it's fine, vinyl-wise. And the audio, as we've mentioned a bunch of times, it's just, it's, man, it really, I, once again, it, it takes away from enjoying the album. Uh, cover design by Brian Hagawara, 
Uh, photography by Jim McCreary. And art direction by Roland Young. So Brian, uh, designer, photog, art director, with 150, I'm going to assume that's a 50, yikes, credits on the show with Earl Slick Band, the Earl Slick Band album, I think it was self-titled, Willie, Willie Nelson's Always On My Mind. Um, Jim, award-winning American photog with 247 credits, on the show with Billy Preston's I Wrote a Simple Song, Valdi's Countryman, and Leonard Skinner's First and Last. And Roland, an American designer, photog, and art director, with 460 credits. He's been on the show with Billy Preston's I Wrote a Simple Song, Valdi's Countryman, Sean Phillips' Faces, Valdi's See How the Years Have Gone By, and Krista Berg's Spanish Train and Other Stories. Hmm. And that's it for me. Okay. Uh, so according to Discogs, it gets rated 4 out of 5 with 6 people rating it. The resale value is... Two sixty-five, four dollars and two cents, and eleven dollars and thirty-seven cents. <laughs> wow, I, honestly, I'm surprised it's that much. Yeah, it's more than the double Scruggs and Flat album. Which, especially in the condition, I think it is. I, honestly, I, it's, I think that the the Earl Scruggs or the Flat and Scruggs one should be worth more, just from like probably because it's just a record company compilation. Just a, yeah, it's just a cash it's, grab. Kind yeah, of it's one, not yeah. one of their yeah. studio albums or anything. Yeah, well, fair enough, yeah, I guess. So I kind of fought with myself about giving it two or three, because I'm like, well, I rented, I gave those other guys two. Yeah, it's, but not, it's, it's not a, a three. two. Yeah, it's not a three. It's a two. Yeah, I gave it one, actually. Yeah. Um, Just because it's, like I stated, it's just more the same that we've heard, and that the sound being the way it does really doesn't separate, help it separate from the pack at all. Oh, no. And I bet if they went and fixed the sound up and made it less muddy and, and kind of closed off and opened it up, you could... It'd probably be a lot more fun to listen to. So, yeah, it makes you kind of wonder how that Kirschbaum got. Kirschbaum had uh, 428 producing credits because it wasn't produced very well. Yeah, I agree. Or at least not mixed very well. But yeah, we know how that can go. Who know, even knows? But, anyways, there you go. So, best of John Stewart. John Stewart, yeah. By, um, never... by a mile. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not even really close, which is, which is the weirdest concept to me considering when we pull those three albums out there. I never thought that this one was going to be the winner, but yeah, no. I'm with you. I, oh, no, no, me neither. And I'm with you, and uh, I've listened to it again for sure. Oh, yeah, me too. Most so. definitely. So uh, anything to wrap us up with here? I don't think so. Okay. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>